Denis Villeneuve is a poet of the otherworldly. His films like Arrival and more recently Dune are epic in their scope and still very intimate. He is fascinated by the ways human beings cope with the natural world. Dune was recently nominated for 10 Academy Awards. It gives me great pleasure to welcome Denis Villeneuve to the podcast. All right, so let's start the process because you have many more important things to do. Who is the person in your life that had enormous resonance for you? There are a lot of, of people. I will say that, that uh, I had the chance to meet a lot of uh, great people. Uh, early on, I will say that there is a, a man that uh, had a strong influence on me when I was young. His name was Pierre Perrault. He was a documentary filmmaker working at the National Film Board. And he invited me to be an assistant on one of his movies when I was just out of school. And I spent months with him working on a, on a documentary that he was doing in the, in the north of Canada, very high in the north face of Canada. And, and uh, I learned so many things about filmmaking and uh, how to listen to life and, and, and how to uh, approach life with a camera. And uh, it was a fantastic journey for me where I learned a lot about, again, filmmaking and life with Pierre Perrault. What was the topic of the documentary? In fact, it was uh, studying the behaviors of uh, the buffaloes. The name of, in English, I have to apologize. I have to find a translation uh, that I will find uh, very quickly. You can say it in French. It's okay. Buffemusque. In English, it will be. So uh, Pierre wanted to make a movie studying the behaviors of, of uh, Moss, Ask, uh, and their relationship with their territory and how they protect their territory. That sounds like it might have been dangerous. Was it dangerous? No. Well, we had to be careful with polar bears, but apart from polar bears, uh, <laughs> it was okay. I will say that it was not dangerous. It was a, a fascinating journey. People. We were on the, the, one of the last islands in the north. The, the name of the island is Ellesmere Island, uh-huh. which is like very close to North Pole. And uh, we were like uh, living in, in scientific uh, tents there that were left by biologists. And uh, we were a little group of filmmakers working there for, for a few weeks uh, uh, in the summer, in the summer, and uh, the North Pole. It was like one of the most intense and beautiful trip of my life. I was like 23 years old, so I was like a sponge, learning, 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 and learning. Yeah. Did you ever think about just going into documentary film? I did some documentaries, and I started my career as a documentary uh, filmmaker, and as I think that the documentary is a very, very strong form. I was always attracted to fiction. Early on, I wanted to do fiction, and I did some documentaries. I learned tremendously about cinema doing documentary, but my art was toward fiction, which made Bride Pierre mad because he felt that for him, fiction was a very superficial art form. He really, truly believed in the art of documentary filmmaking. And uh, (laughs) I was a bad son. (laughs) (laughs) Was there a place that's been particularly resonant for you? The place that comes up to uh, my mind spontaneously is Isil de la Madeleine, Magdalene Island. It's an archipelago 
and the little uh, several little islands linked by sand dunes in the middle of the ocean, Atlantic Ocean. Wow. And, uh, one of my favorite places on Earth. It is my favorite place on Earth. How did you find it? It's a little island that are part of the province of Quebec. And uh, I went there the first time when I was a kid, a young kid with my parents would spend the summer there. And then uh, after having been around, around the world, uh, visiting uh, several countries in my 20s, I had an urge to, uh, uh, before working at National Film Board of Canada, I had an urge to go back there and to revisit the roots there. And it's really, there's, it's a, there is a re- relationship with the ocean and the horizon there because it's like little hills in the middle of the nowhere. So it's like when you climb the little hill, you see 360 degrees around you, you see the ocean. And it's like, mm. it's so beautiful, so fragile, so vulnerable and so poetic. And it's just being in a relationship with the elements, with the wind, with the horizon and, and the ocean. And it's like very meditative, meditative environment. And it's uh, definitely my favorite place on it. Have you shot anything there? Little things, a lot of pictures. <laughs> yes. This is a random question, but do you dream in English or do you dream in French? That's a good question, madame. I dream with images. I still think that I'm dreaming in French, but it's a good question. I will, I, I'm positive that I, I'm dreaming in English as well, for sure. But if you dream in images, do you see the work that you're doing? Does that come up in your dreams? Sometimes, yes, there are like things that are uh, vividly, when you have uh, sometimes some questions uh-huh. or things that uh, you want to figure out in the dreams, some, some answers are coming out sometimes, and it's always very moving for me. Because your characters, I've noticed throughout your work, not just one movie, but all the movies, have heavy dream lives. They're very much in their own minds. I'm a professional dreamer. I'm being paid to dream right now. I spend my childhood dreaming, being in the in the lost in nature, having awakened dreams. I spend most of my life, I'm either sleeping, dreaming, or doing awakened dreams. And it's like I think, to be honest, I'm never happy when I have to uh, display or show a dream in a movie because the movie is supposed to be the dream. So it's like. it's something that I'm a, a bit reluctant to do. And strangely, I realized that uh, in each movie, I'm, I'm uh, approaching dreams in one way or the other. But it's like, it's something that normally a movie in itself should be the dream. You know, it's, uh, you're not supposed to approach the inner world of the characters to be supposed to be expressed differently. But in a movie like Dune, I don't have the choice. I mean, it's like, a, it's very important to have a, access to this part of the intimacy of, of the main character. It's part of the book, so, uh, and it's true that I choose so far very often projects that have, uh, in one way or the other, a relationship with the, the, the dreams. That's beautiful. I love that the whole movie is the dream. That's so lovely. It's very true in your work. So what's a thing in your life? It can be a film, it could be a book, it could be a photograph, it could be a teddy bear, I don't know if you have teddy bears in Quebec, but could be a stuffed animal or anything that is a thing that has meaning for you. I, I would say a watch. A watch, something that, that uh, counts time, something that you have to, uh, every morning you have to make sure that the watch is like winded. Wound. Yeah, and, and this relationship with time, something that, that to stay in contact with the 
limits of time and the cycle of time. And I think watches are very beautiful objects, yeah. Do you have a watch that you wear that belonged to someone? I have my father's watch that I'm wearing sometimes that I try to protect it because it's very, uh, it's one of the things that I, I, uh, I love his watch so much. <laughs> I don't want to, I will not dare, for instance, to, to wear the watch every day. I, I want to protect it in some ways. But yeah, I, I, love, uh, I love watches for the, what they mean. Do you wear an Apple watch and count your steps and all that things that people do? No, no, no. I have an old-fashioned watch that I need to wear. I love the idea that there's no batteries in my watch, that it's an old-fashioned watch that you have to wind. I love that. I love it's like the objects that are designed for eternity and deeply linked with the notion of time. So it's beautiful. That's another element of your films that I've noticed, which is they have a timelessness. They could be now, they could be 50 years ago, they could be 100. You know, there's a kind of beautiful out of timeness about your movies in terms of the way they look and feel. You know, Dune could be in the future or Dune could be in the past. It's, it's a really a beautiful compliment that, if I may, that, that's the way I receive it as a compliment. It is a compliment. I, I was trying as a filmmaker. I finally found my ground when I went for something that uh, was away from fashion uh-huh. or the current time, trying to find my own voice that I will hope will enter the test of time. It's very pretentious. It's very arrogant. But at the end of the day, when you ask for a millions of dollars to express yourself. You need to be a bit uh, arrogant, pretentious, and ambitious, you know? I, I think you could call it confident. I don't know that it's arrogant or pretentious. I think it's actually a point of view, which is what everybody wishes for. Yeah, What is a thing in your life that was a negative that turned out to be a positive? An experience that looked like the end of the world, but turned out to be something that was really actually great? It's going to be a very intimate answer. And uh, I don't use to like to talk about it, but I will say this. My uh, divorce from the mother of my children was a very intense time because it's someone that I deeply love and I still deeply love today. So we are best friends now. Mm. But at the time, for me, it was the end of the world. But today I see that is one of the most beautiful experiences to have been through that different phase of, of ending a couple and, uh, and reconstructing a new relationship. And what I think that's the personal part now, that uh, means nothing for other people. But what is interesting for others is just the fact that the idea that going through that painful experience, there was something that beautiful that came out. And a beautiful, I think an important introspection that definitely changed me as a human being and as a filmmaker. Mm. And I'm still grateful today for that. It's one of my most important experience till today. Is a, it has to be, and still to a very important relationship. Julie, the mother of my children. <laughs> yes, and you have three children. Yes, yes, exactly. That's a lot of children. <laughs> yes, at the time, you know, for a French Canadian filmmaker, it was a lot of children. And uh, people and people are asking me why I'm making a, a U.S. movie. I say, you should see the size of my children. And you will understand that 
I need to make bigger movies to feed those beasts. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's so good. <laughs> That's the best reason to make films I've ever heard. <laughs> To feed your children. Do any of your children want to go into filmmaking? I will say that uh, uh, my daughter studied as a filmmaker and is working in a, in a business right now. I don't, I don't know if she will. And my uh, first son is studying as a biologist, but is very interested by uh, underwater cinematography. So it's like uh, they're both at the call for images. And my daughter is a very strong uh, photographer also. Oh, that's wonderful. And I heard she was a fan of Jack. Massive, and and that is is something I felt. Uh, it's a bit strange, but it's I'm in my bubble, and I didn't. And at one point, I said, "Oh, I should share with her the fact that I'm really and loving the, the work of this man, and, and actually of this artist. And actually, I'm I'm about to uh, work with them. And I, I forget I was in my you know it's like I'm I'm having a lot of things to deal with, and, and then suddenly, I'm, and I remember saying, "Hey, by the way, I'm working with that guy. I will love his work." And when I, I told her that, she went mad saying. Are you missing with me right now? It's by far, it's, it's her favorite artist. Oh my they're, gosh, that's her, so great. Her and her friends, her friends and her, they deeply love Jack's work. And, and it's a true story. I mean, it's like what I'm seeing is that she, she's really passionate about his work. And, and my dad meter went just up the roof. I was so <laughs> <laughs> Say his full name because we should give him the moment. Jack Davidson. And finally, tell me a purely joyous moment in your life, something that was without anything but joy, just completely joyful. The truth is uh, something that deeply changed my life. If we think about very basic, profound, and most meaningful things is the birth of my three kids, because it definitely changed my relationship with reality. And the truth is that I started to be able to write and to make movies once I had the children. Before really? it, it was, my children are my anchors into reality. It's like a tripod. I put my camera on. I was able to find my ground. I was able to find my voice. I was, I was able to find discipline when I became a father. Before that, uh, I was trying, but I was like all over the place. So, uh, I think it's, it has to do to, to probably with the, the responsibility of having uh, human beings uh, that I have, to, I have to take care of and that I have to honor their presence honored and loved them. And <laughs> yeah, it brings me such a joy of life and so much creativity. So I became a filmmaker when I became a father. That's fantastic. But it would seem the opposite for some people that it takes up so much time to have children that you would not have the time to be creative. It's the way it happens. And, and I would say uh, for a, a number of years, I stopped making films for different reasons. And one of them was that to be at home with the kids when they were young, because I realized very quickly that if you want to honor the, the responsibility and the privilege of being a, a father, I need to be more present. And luckily, at the time, uh, their mother was, uh, we were all working. We were finding a way to, to be present. But at, when under youth, I was less productive as a filmmaker. I was, what can I say that in English? I was like uh, taking care of the hearth getting ready to go back in the field later. Mm. Those were very inspiring years. Yeah, no, it's it's not about time at the end of the day. It's it's about presence. I learned a lot about presence with my kids, of course. And you cannot be not present to a kid. You have to be there, you know? (laughs) 
Did your children love your films from the beginning? Were they fans of Dune as a book? I, I think two of them read the book, but I will say that my early work when they were young, uh, I was making hardcore rated R movies. So it's like very violent movies, dark movies. So my kids were introduced to my movies much later. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. That's so interesting. How old were you when you read Dune? 13 years old. And it made a huge impression on you? Uh, yes, of course. It's like, it's a, that's why we are talking right now. It's like, uh, <laughs> it's a, a book that uh, has a huge impact on me. At the time, I was like totally mesmerized by the journey of that young man that was trying to define his identity, to find his place in the world as he uh, was uh, struggling with uh, multiple heavy heritage on, on his uh, shoulders. And we, he was finally being able to find peace and, and to make peace with some part of his identity, being in contact with another culture and uh, discovering a, a new landscape and being, a, it's a very introspective journey. To, and uh, no, it's, it's a book that stayed with me through the years and I'm still pinching myself that I'm having the chance to bring my own view of this adaptation of the screen. Well, it's a beautiful movie. You did an incredible job. And I want to thank you so much for speaking to me today. It was a pleasure to talk to you, madame. Take care. Take care and be well. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to Five Things with Lynn Hirschberg. The podcast is produced by Michael Beckert with sound engineering by Rich Zerbini and Max Solomon at The Hangar Studios and additional audio engineering by Kara Johnson. The theme song was written and performed by Blondin Carr. Many thanks to Feline Newman, Jessica Uzan, Barbara Perro, Amanda Silverman, and Carla Marcantonio. Special thanks to Sarah Moonves, Editor-in-Chief of W Magazine, and, as always, Zora. Don't forget to follow W Magazine on Instagram or wmagazine.com. And please subscribe to our YouTube channel where you can watch my screen test videos with people like Penelope Cruz, Denzel Washington, and George Clooney. Thanks again. Thanks again.